back to the Beerly Hockey Podcast. Hogheads, once again, as always, presented by Beerly Sports. Guys, as you know, we're coming at you twice a week, so we're going to have so much content coming. And I know that everybody out there is super pumped. Guys, we've had an action pack first couple of days of this week. But before we get to all of that, number one, make sure to leave us a five-star review on whatever platform you listen on. And also, I am once again your host, Phil Razor, and I'm joined by the naughty, as always, Nate McBride. And the also seemingly always asymmetrical Aaron Kinney. I know what I What kind of problem are. you got with my fucking symmetry over here, Phil? There's no problem. I just want to You're just all kinds of fucked up, Bob. How'd you how'd you know I got one leg shorter than the other? Walk around like well, a fucking I've, gimp. I've I've met you in person, that's how I know. You have one of those like three foot boots on the right foot, and then the one inch boot on the left foot. So you walk. All like right, you're let's even. be real here. That's this, we're getting a little bit exaggerated over here, boys. <laughs> I don't. I'm I don't have kidding. one of those two foot lifts in my shoes. Let's. <laughs> only kidding. No, he no. He has regular lifts in his shoes. Tells the women he's five eleven. Nate, we'll start with hey, you the tonight. Cowboy my boots friend. add two inches, boys. Not where it matters the most. Nate, how are we doing? What are we I don't drinking? need it where it matters the most. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, we're fucking great. It's the best. It's in my opinion, it's the best week of the year. It's fucking St. Patty's Day. This will be the only time I'll ever indulge basketball. This little two to three day stretch that we have, this two to four day stretch that we have right here. That's it. Um, from Thursday moving forward, that's the only basketball you'll ever catch me watching. But it's, uh, also, it's more cultural than it is the sport, too. Yeah, really. I, I mean, absolutely. You're still out of bracket, you throw some darts at the board, hope something hits. I'm going to I'm going to get absolutely pissed drunk and watching basketball, live betting a little bit, and just having myself a day, man. It's it's my favorite holiday, best holiday of the year. What are we pregame and patties with tonight, huh? Uh, pregame and patties. We're gonna double fist tonight. I'm gonna give you guys two beers. First, in honor of the holiday, we're going with the traditional Great Lakes Conway's Irish Ale. Start off, gotta rip it and sip it. That sounded like a guzzle. Ooh, it was. You just sucked that right down your throat there, Nate. Erotic noises. Are we not doing phrasing anymore? Pause. Yeah, we're... Hmm? You're, you're going to have to elaborate there, Phil. Uh, Any. That's an archer <laughs> reference. It's an archer reference. Oh, right. okay, okay. All right. After we... Once we finish that Conway's Irish Ale... We're going to toss it over to our friends at El Segundo Brewing with Steve Austin's Broken Skull IPA. Nate, if you don't crush that can on your skull when you go to open it after you finish the Irish Ale, I'm going to be incredibly disappointed. I'm going to absolutely – I'm going to give myself CTE with that can by the time when I'm done with it. Cannot wait. Ooh. What a way to throw off NFL free agency there, Nate. Aaron, how are we doing tonight, buddy? What are we drinking? Boys, I am about to have my flu game right here. I have been struggling the last couple days, feeling like shit, a little bit of a fever, sore throat, but as always, I am powering through, bringing it to the people here. So I have foregone my usual beer, and I am slurping on a hot toddy right now, some uh, Middle West whiskey, uh, a little bit of lemon juice, and some raw honey in there to uh, coat the throat, get the voice going again here. And I am looking forward to getting banged up on this thing throughout this podcast. Dude, I'm <laughs> telling you, it's here here in Columbus, Ohio, 
more than any other place, I'll, and I'll put that up against any of our listeners right now, you see more weather and temperature fluctuations than anywhere, man. Last week, it was like 65 one day. This week, it's been in the 20s, 30s. Like, Yeah, it is me, just like, put me in the dirt, dude. Me and my entire household... I'm sick. My cousin's sick. His girlfriend's sick. Like, it's just the freaking infirmary over here. But we're still bringing barely hockey content to you guys. Oh, we will that. always be bringing that. You guys can you guys can keep all that shit. And listeners, if you want to argue with Nate about whether he's at Barely Nate on Twitter. Um, boys, here it's like in the mid-50s. And I'm drinking one of Charlotte's finest. I am having a devil's logic tonight. Hazed, not phased. Boom. So... That's what I decided to rock with tonight. Boys, we have a lot to go over. A lot of fun hockey talk tonight. Also, also once again, keeping up the tradition, nobody asked me how I'm doing. I'm fine. Just so everybody knows. I'm good. I promise. Hey, and real quick, before we get in, <laughs> before we get into the episode, just a reminder to you listeners to take a look at the screen, your little phone screen, right now. And you notice how you haven't left a five-star review yet? If you're driving, don't do that. But if I you're not... Just- I just said this. Hey, we're double pumping it. We're double pumping. We're, double we're trying pumping to get it out to the I'm world. Just, I'm just giving. I'm giving Nate shit because nobody ever asked me how I'm doing. Nobody cares about me. How so, are you doing, Phil? We know you're living it up down there. We're, uh, we're, like, we're both we, in we dire straits right now, so we don't want to hear how good you're. Once summer rolls around, I'm gonna be all about hearing about your life. Yeah, I'm. I'm here for it. Hell, even just give me till next month. Like yeah. once it actually, once we start getting some consistent warm weather up here, I'll care. But right now, I kind of fucking hate you. That's, you know what? That's entirely fair, guys. You know, it was a, it was not an easy decision. And, and it's a love, it's a loving hate. It oh, really yeah. is. Yeah, it's. it's uh, you know, if we could be it, there with you right now, we definitely would. Then we'd all hundred percent it up. It's just you know, it's it's razzing amongst brothers. You know, that's how we do it. That's how we do it here. At Beerly hockey, guys. At Beerly hockey on Twitter. Tell tell us how much you love the camaraderie here. This um, is so us. <laughs> it's, we're just being so us. Um, guys, I want to start off with a little fun fact today. And I thought this was kind of wild because the juxtaposition in age here is, is vast. And, the, you know, these two teams played the other night. But I didn't realize when I was watching the game, Austin Matthews has his most career goals against Craig Anderson. Now, Craig Anderson being 41 and having players that have their most career goals against him makes sense. But for Austin Matthews, who's not that old, to have Craig Anderson as the number one guy you know, that he's put the, you know, put the puck past again, say that three times fast. To me, that was a little shocking. I don't know if you guys think that's like a little weird that that would be Austin Matthews number one, or do you think it's just, you know, he's been in the same division for a long time? I think, I think that's what it is. He's in the same division. Craig Anderson always seems to get the starts for like the emotional games that Buffalo goes up against, which often happen to be Toronto. Um, even before that, he was with Ottawa, so... Yeah, I think it's uh, it kind of makes sense now that I'm thinking about it. It was weird at first, though, until I really kind of dug into it. And let's be honest, Craig Anderson, he had a hell of a start to the season, but he's not really quite what he used to be. He's one of those guys that it, he's going to struggle to read that nasty release that Matthews has. So I'm not that surprised that he's had success against him, I guess. There's some mileage on them tires, boys. So let oh, me yeah. tell you, he's been he's been around the block a time or two. Dude, he's um, he's had a hell of a season though for being 41 uh, years dude, old. For 41 years old, absolutely. Like uh, like stick tap. When that guy finally decides to hang him up, he deserves all the stick taps in the world. Just because, like, it's one thing to be you know a, a 
even a player, but attendee that stays with the same team for his entire career. Well, he hasn't um, done but that. I, I realize that it's one. I'm saying it's one thing to be that, but then to kind of stick out being a journeyman until you're 41 yeah, years true. old. Well, that's that's well, just that's for the love of the game, man. For sure. One thing too, the reason Buffalo re-signed him and kept him around, like they've been carrying three goalies all year with him, Pekalukinen, and Comrie. I mean. It, the reason that they wanted to keep him around, he's apparently just such a great dude in the locker room. Like he just gets everybody going around there. Consummate professional. He's really helped bring along their young core uh, from the other goaltenders up into the skaters too. It, he's just like good vibes all around. So uh, really, really happy for him to stick around, have some success here. And uh, yeah, man, he's the sky's the limit. How how long will he play? Nobody knows. He'll he'll be getting like one and two starts a season up into like his fifties, maybe. We'll see. He uh, he made his debut before the 0405 lockout, man. He uh, he also battled through a tough time with his wife with breast cancer too. So stick taps yeah. to him and her for getting through that tough time. Uh, came out on top of it. Congratulations on that. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Craig Anderson's a fun story, man. Yeah, career goals against 285, 2.85. So he's a sub three goals against, and he's playing, you know, an age 41 season. Um, 706 games, 750 plus if you include playoffs. That is not easy to do as a goaltender, especially in the modern game. Get to 700 plus games as an attendee in the modern game. Like, go look at, you know, God knows how many guys, you know, Excluding like the Vazies of the world, you know, how many starts does, you know, Jonathan Quick get a year on average? 50, 55, you know, it takes you 14 years to get there. That's assuming you stay healthy the whole time. He hasn't been healthy the whole time and he spent time in the, in the A too, you know, over the first like five years of his career, he was up and down and he spent a year on lockout. So big stick taps to Craig Anderson. Just thought it was kind of a fun stat that Austin Matthews has been absolutely flaming him. I screwed up. Uh, it was throat cancer, throat cancer, not breast cancer. Sorry. Ah, hey, you know little, what? A little correction on that one. Here at Barely Hockey, we do our own research, and when we fuck up, we correct our own mistakes. Oh yeah, damn straight, damn straight, we do. Yeah, minus I'll one, but you, minus one, but you got a you got a secondary assist. You're back, you're back to zero, my friend. All right, all right. There we go, guys. There was some news that isn't necessarily the best coming out of, you know, Philadelphia right now. Their interim GM, uh, Briere, up there. Uh, Got a little bit of heat in the news recently, and I we kind of want to get this out of the way just at the beginning. Yeah, just um, get it. You get it done. Yeah. So unfortunately, um, you know, one I did want to talk about before this happened. Does he lose the interim tag? But right now, we can save that if we want to, or we can do both. Um, he definitely seems like a guy that's going to be there for a while. He gave all the you know all the the kudos to the uh, to the Flyers brass, but. Um, Right now, he's kind of going through some shit. After they got rid of Chuck Fletcher, they bring him in. Could have been worse timing, um, you know, for for Briere here. Um, basically, his son is a 23-year-old center for Mercyhurst University. Uh, was caught on camera. I'm sure many of you have seen it. Um, him and his buddies, they were fucking around at a bar. You know, it, I don't. You know, they didn't even really laugh after the incident, which just goes to show why would you do it in the first place? You know, but they pushed a wheelchair of a disabled woman who her friends had carried her down the stairs because apparently this bar only has the restrooms downstairs. They pushed the wheelchair down the stairs. And before we discuss it as a group, I just want to say that it's like they laughed about it. Like it was a practical joke. That's what I was intending to say by that. Like, Oh, they pushed it on the stairs, laughed about it. 
they were drunk. It's still an absolute scumbag move. But, you know, the fact that they didn't laugh, it's like, well, what was the intention here? You know? So he not only does he come into a a shitstorm in Philadelphia coming off of a town hall and admitting that they're going to rebuild, using the word rebuild in his speech, um, now he's dealing with the media shitstorm of, well, what kind of kid did you raise? And it could not have been a more inauspicious start for him uh, in Philadelphia. Aaron, would you agree? Yeah, I think the timing's terrible. I I mean, I don't think this is on him. I I mean, yeah, he did raise the kid, but also like you can do the best job as a parent and still have a kid that turns out to be a douchebag based on the influences around them. I mean, he grew up in hockey. You get a little bit of this kind of, you know, the hockey men were better than everybody else mentality that's sadly prevalent in a lot of youth locker rooms. Um so I I hadn't heard the context around like why the wheelchair, the wheelchair was there, Phil. I, I I looked, but I hadn't. Se- I'd seen like some third party reports, but I hadn't seen any like concrete evidence that like it was actually someone's. I'm assuming it was, but sounds like you got the lowdown on that. I mean, yeah, just an absolute brain dead, stupid move, malicious intent. Just I I don't know what the hell you're thinking, just tossing somebody's fucking wheelchair down the stairs, tearing it up when they're like it. Obviously, they need this thing. Otherwise, they wouldn't be having it at a bar. Um, Correct. Briere, he's like, Jesus Christ. I He had built so much good credit with the Flyers organization and the fan base just by admitting they need to rebuild because this fan base has been clamoring for a rebuild for years, but the owners at Comcast will not allow their GMs to do it. It sounds like he was going to be the full-time GM, drop the interim tag. He, in his press conference, he was using language that, like, Sound like he was confident. He had a plan. He said, I don't think this is a quick fix. It's my belief, and that's why I'm not afraid to use the word rebuild. Um, he he said he didn't want to have a total fire sale, sell everyone off, but like actually retool, rebuild, you know, move out pieces and be bad to get good draft picks. And he was like riding high when this shit came out. So suddenly he has to deal with this. He did release a statement in conjunction with his sons. Um, he did the old notes app on Twitter, which I think is... That's it, that's kind of become a running joke whenever people do this now. It's like, okay, you did the bare minimum, notes app apology. But he said, I was shocked to see Carson's actions in the video that was shared on social media yesterday. They're inexcusable and run completely counter to our family's values of treating people with respect. Carson is very sorry and accepts full responsibility for his behavior. Um, and then below that, his son also had a little statement he said he was deeply sorry, and there is no excuse for my actions, and I will do whatever I can to make up for this serious lack of judgment. Basically, just like the bare minimum of an apology that you can have. So, I mean, hopefully this kid goes and finds out the person who he affected with his actions, you know, apologizes to her face-to-face, tries to do what he can to make it right, really learns from this incident. But it, I'm just so sick and tired of hearing of these young gun fucking kids thinking they're all that and just treating other people like shit you know it's it's getting old it's getting real old agreed nate how do you feel about it uh dude i mean it's it's kids i get it man you're young you're drinking you're out at a bar you're in college you're having a good time but here's the thing man you already got you already got let go from one program for not acting right it would probably be in your best interest to then not fuck up again at your next program what happened right? to the last uh, program i hadn't heard about that one um i thought i had seen something on twitter about him getting 
um, released from Arizona State's program. Oh shit! It's odd that it's odd that he's twenty three. Like I know that at that age, that means you went through the COVID year, where every NCAA athlete got an extra year of eligibility, no questions asked, whether you played or sat out. Um, so I thought that he, he seemed old for a college, you know, for a college player. But that was just my, you know, my my thought there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm sure he got. He might just not be that good, too. Like, it doesn't get drafted, has to stick out through college through all the years. Yeah, try to, like, actually, you know, do whatever, and then maybe you get a chance to go play, like, overseas in, like, Austria or Hungary or Germany or whatever for a few years. I know guys that have done that. I know guys that have given up on the dream in the North, in North America, and they'll go over and they'll play in, you know, I'm not, I'm not even talking about, like, Sweden or Finland or Russia. I'm talking, or Switzerland even now. I'm talking, like, Italy or France, like, those leagues are fine. They're serviceable, but you know, it's like it's the equivalent of playing in the MLS to a guy from Europe. You know what I mean? Oh, so the first article I could find about him from ASU: Briere making most of second chance at Mercyhurst. <laughs> that shit's out the window now. <laughs> and he made the worst of it with a very, very stupid asshole decision to throw a wheelchair down the stairs. Yeah. You know, it, it, wheelchairs are not cheap either. That's the other thing. That's an expensive piece of equipment. Oh, yeah. It, it's just, it, it was it was a brain-dead move on his part. Nate, are you with us? Yeah, I'm, dude, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm reading a little bit about the, his little incident. No, I meant, at, no, I meant like, are, are you like, do you have other information? My bad, I should have phrased that differently. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. Yeah, so I did find a little article about the incident. or I'm kind of looking into that article, Aaron, that you found that, um, you know, most of the second chance. Um and it just says that he and a fellow student were dismissed for the team for what the program said were violation of team rules. So there were not much more else on it, but yeah. Yeah. he's He's got two strikes, man. I don't know if he's getting a third one. If he does, he better make the most of it. It's If it is, it's going to be... Honestly, man, at this point, I don't think you're getting a shot with a college program. Your best chance is to go up to Canada and try to play in, you know, the OHL, the WHL. No, he's yeah. way beyond that. We'll, we'll, beyond. we'll have to see if, uh, yeah, he, he's too old for those. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're true. Maybe, we'll maybe have to see Mercyhurst axes him, though. I don't think he's been totally announced out of there yet, but I wouldn't be surprised. To see they're probably running play. They're running a 72-hour investigation, and then he'll probably be done. And then yeah. his, his best chance is to go play in, like, Hungary or – Something along, you know, some, you know, Hungarian league, they're not going to care. Yeah. The Slovakian league, they'll take him. Dude, dude, you could, dude, he could probably go over, he could probably go over to play in the, um, in the Swedish leagues. He could probably, dude. Oh, I, you you know, could go to Russia. They, they, uh, I was about to say, the KHL, all kinds of KHL don't give a fuck. The KHL is the second best league in the world. I don't think they're, I don't think he's good enough. He but, could play in their minor system, though. He could play. They do have a minor league system there. It is true. They also, you know, start their season in fucking August when winter begins, which is an anomaly to me. Um, but yeah, overall, a bad look for him. I, I feel bad for for Danny Briere um, in in Philadelphia in terms of you know just tough way to start things out. Having to deal with this right it, out of the gate. Yeah, you know, I, I do feel bad for him. Obviously, you know, I, I did not mean to insinuate that you know it reflects poorly on him as a parent. I'm saying people will make a you know make oh, yeah. yeah. People have preconceived notions about that shit, whether right or wrong. That's, you know, who are we to say, uh, you know, what kind of parent he is? I would never question someone's parenting skills. Um, on a more fun note, though, let's go back and talk about the game we brought up earlier, Toronto-Buffalo. I tweeted on Monday, I was like, this is a must-win. This is the most must-win game Buffalo may have all year. And they got the job done. 
They went out there and won 4-3. Uh, crazy ending. Um, you know, Marner, or sorry, Nylander scored with like a minute left. And you're like, oh my God, Buffalo's going to piss it away again. And they held on. But that's because they had, because <laughs> they had an incredible goal earlier where Cager was up against the wall and he flipped the puck behind him right in the tape, calm as you like, which is going to bring up the player that I want to talk about now. Guys, Alex Tuck is having a career year. Already has 30 talks, and he missed eight games. You know, he's already set career highs and goals, and he missed, you know, a substantial amount of time during the season. So, Nate, we'll throw it to you first. Um, you know, how are you feeling about, about Tucker coming back now? Because, you know, with that missed time, you're like, oh, God, how is he going to come back? Is he going to be fluid? Um, but, you know, it looks like the team is gelling with him back in lineup, and I think his presence was a big difference. Oh, absolutely, man. That guy, having once as soon as you inject that guy into that lineup, it, it instantly brings a new level to them. Everybody's play rises a little bit. He is one of those guys for that franchise. Um, and it's been like that ever since he came over from Vegas. I mean, honestly, like he really has been a just injection of life for them this whole franchise and and Alex Tuck has just not missed a beat coming back from injury. And I feel like he was, I feel like and me personally, I, I don't think I was worried about him missing a beat. He, I feel like he's one of those guys that could just, it's like riding a bike for him, man. Yeah. Anytime. He's, and he, he's big time meat and potatoes. He also, that top line, it, they weren't bad without him, but like they're elite when he's on there. Skinner, Thompson and Tuck are just like one of the, most easily meshing seamless chemistry lines that I've ever seen. They've got one guy that does everything well. They got one guy who's a pure shooter and you got one guy that does all the dirty work down below the net and in front of it. So I I think that his addition to that line is really going to be a big boost for them down the stretch. If you look at the record too, they I believe they were two, five and one without him when he was injured. Yeah. Two, five and one without Alex Tuck. He comes back. They instantly beat one of the best teams in the league in Toronto. And now they're just having their way with the caps three, one, and they're on the power play. So I, I think he really increases Buffalo's chances of making this. I mean, what it, especially what it does for him on that top line, it just, you can't focus in on Tage Thompson. Like that's the biggest thing. You can't focus in on Tage Thompson because Alex Tuck can burn you and bite you in the ass with his play as well. Well, and he, and, he plays alive too, because when he was out, you'd see a lot of like one and done chances off the rush. Thompson yeah. and Skinner come in. They didn't have that absolute dog just working on the board battles, keeping the cycle going and extending plays to wear down the other team. Now, I mean, they're just pinning people in their own end again, which is what you expected from them there from early on in the season. Yeah. Absolutely, and, and while we're staying on the Buffalo hype train, boys, I do want to hop over to Tager. Um, he's having, obviously, the season of his life, and here's a little fun stat for you. Uh, 190 career points, right, in 289 career games. This season, he's played 66 games. 87 of those points have come this year. So one of the big things I want to highlight is, you know, what are the odds of him ending the season with 100 points? He's got 42 goals, 45 assists, uh, you know, coming into tonight's play. I mean, even seen tonight's stats. Um, if he plays every one of the 16 games on the stretch, which, you know, with the playoff push they're going for, I wouldn't see why why Tager wouldn't be out there. He needs to average 0.812 points per game. So he's definitely below, um, you know, that would be below his season average. Yeah, that's uh, he's got to average less than a point per game down the stretch. I think if he stays healthy, then the sky's the limit. I, I think he absolutely can hit 100 points. 
I could, yeah, I could very realistically see it. I mean, this guy is scoring goals at a, I'm uh, almost a McJesus, you know, kind of rate. It really is not quite to that level, but like where McJesus, where McJesus was maybe three years ago. That's where Tazier is right now. Yeah. Um, one other stat that I dug up while I was looking at this. So yeah. if you go to hockeyreference.com, they have a stat called goals created. And that is, let's see here. It's calculated mm. by adding goals scored to 0.5 times their assists, then multiplying by team goals divided by team goals plus 0.5 times the team assist. So basically just kind of averaging how much you individually factor in onto all your team's goals. Tate Thompson is sitting in fifth place in the entire league for that behind McDavid, Dreisaitl, Pasternak, and Dave, or Jason Robertson. So wow. re- that really tells you how valuable he is to this team. I mean, he, he's not just a sniper who capitalizes on what his other teammates create. Like, he really is driving the offense for Buffalo right now. He is, and, you know, Buffalo's a team right now, as we're looking at it, you know, going into tonight, obviously they're winning. Um, I'm not going to give them the two points as of yet, but... That's quite a that's quite a list to be uh, mentioned with if you're Tage Thompson, you know, a guy that's in his what second, third year in the league. He's in his. I mean, fifth, that's a. He's in his fifth, fifth year. Sorry, technically he's in his sixth season, but he only played one game in nine in 2019-2020. So. And he's never played 82 games before either. Um, his first but yeah, but, first season oh, with St. Louis, 41 games. He was up and down. 65 games in Buffalo after yeah, he got traded. Yeah, I, I actually, I think I looked around at, I think I looked around at his, um, at his hockey DB, and it really, and it was, yeah, in St. Louis, the guy did nothing. I mean, he really, and it was like all of a sudden, when he got to Buffalo, something clicked, man, and not he even, found his fucking, not, not even, even just, really in Buffalo. Yeah, so I read a piece on this <laughs> earlier. Ever since Don Granado got hired as the coach, really, because he had like two or three different coaches in Buffalo even when he got there, and they all wanted to bury him. They didn't want to let him play center. Don Granado coached him in juniors, apparently, and he was like, dude, I got all the faith in the world in this kid. He put him at center. He let him be creative. He didn't you know, staple his ass to the bench after he made a small mistake. He really let him go out and flourish, and that's when we saw Tate Thompson explode for what we've seen last year and this year. Last year, yep. 78 games played, 38 goals, 30 assists. This year, 66 games so far, 42 goals, 45 assists, 87 points. Just it, The guy's on a rocket ship to the moon right now with this faith that he's got in his coach. Absolutely. And if there wasn't for a guy named uh, McDavid and a guy named Kucherov and a guy named Dreisaitl, he'd probably be leading the heart talk right now, him and Robbo. Him, so. Robbo, maybe Jack Hughes, too. Jack Hughes had a hell of a season. It's a, it's a brutal league out there, but um in terms of individual accolades right now uh yeah and i'm looking at it right now because if buffalo wins tonight they'll be equal with the florida panthers 73 points um which puts them three behind the new york islanders with uh multiple games in hand so that wild card two wild card one man i think we all kind of agree wild card one might be although they lost last night we'll talk about them later wild card one looks pretty you know set in stone ish uh, wild card two is going to be a fucking fight to the finish. So oh, yeah. I'm, I'm excited to watch that guys. Before we head on to the next topic, we do have to announce some winners boys from the pick. Uh, winner, winner, chicken dinner. 
Sorry, I muted it up. So guys, once again, our uh, at Beerly Hockey, follow us and turn the notifications on if you want to know when the Pickums are. We'll shout you out on the next episode. This week, boys, we had the Lightning at the Devils. We had the Caps in Madison Square Garden taken on the Rangers. And we had the Winnipeg Jets down in beautiful, sunny Raleigh, North Carolina to take on the Carolina Hurricanes. And we had four winners. Four people got it right. Number one, four. our own Aaron Kenny at Aaron underscore Kenny Nine. Let's Ooh. go. Who knows Puck? Ooh. Who knows Ooh. Puck? Uh, not the next guy I'm about to list. Also correct, at Beerly Trev Scott. Trev got it right. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Stick taps for Trev. He picked the lightning, bro. That's the only reason. Of hey, course he, he had, did. He, he had to make two other decisions there. Let's give credit where credit's due. No, I, I respect. He did. Him. He did. No, I respect. I just, I told him I was going to give him shit on the pod for it. Hey, um, his homerism, his homerism played paid off well for him. Yeah, that's true. It got him a shout. It got him a shout out on the best. Oh my god, look at this beauty on the Caps game right now. Okay, there, sorry to interrupt. There's a guy in a captain's uniform against the glass in the Caps stadium, and. It, he is wearing an OV grade 8 sash, and he's got a sign that says, Beer is intoxicating. Oh, my God. That is, that, that is, a, that's an OV guy. What a fucking beauty. find that guy on Twitter later. He's, he's wearing a full-on white, like, sailor's uniform with a captain's that's hat. A, that, that guy is a national treasure. Absolutely. Sorry, I just had to give him a shout out here. Shout out to the random guy at the Cavs game. I hope he's. I hope he gets fucked up and laid. I think he already Both. is fucked up. <laughs> I hope he gets laid afterwards. Yeah. Perfect. Um, to the non-beerly employee-related winners, we have a Seattle Kraken fan. What up, crackheads? Uh, his name Let's is. Let's fucking Matt- go, baby. His name is Maddie Veneers for Calder. We're gonna discuss the Calder later too. And his at on Twitter is at da underscore erm. I believe it's da erm. So shout out to da erm for getting it right. Yeah, da erm. Let's go. Let's go, boy. Crackheads. It says he's in Victoria, BC. Pretty lit. Pretty lit. Hey, wow. Look at that. He's He's going across the border. I love it. Love it. And then we have a guy that's kind of perplexing here based on his fandom and where he's located. We have Christopher Council, W A S H, Washington. At Chris Council, C-H-R-I-S-C-O-U-N-C-I-L-N-F-L. And his bio says, Commanders, D.C. Defenders, and XFL, USFL. Not a single hockey shout-out in there, but evidently he knows a little puck. So shout-out to Chris Council for getting all three right. Shout-out, man. Football fan, but apparently the man knows what he's talking about. Hey, you know what? it is that time of year where NFL fans are just really bored, and this is the closest thing to NFL you can find. That's true. true. That's very true. That is true. So, even 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 with the XFL playing right now, this is the closest thing to NFL you can find. Yeah, with it the, is the skill level and all that. It is true. So big shout out to our winners, except for the two that work here. No, just kidding. Shout out to everybody for uh, yeah, for fuck getting, that guy, getting them right. Congratulations, guys. Um, from guys that are getting right to guys that are going wrong. Boston, yeah, dude. What the fuck is up? Yo, Boston, you good, dog? Like, everything all right, fam? We need to come check on you. Um, that loss, yeah. That loss last night was bad to Chicago. Th- that that dude. was, dude. Like, you, I mean, let's just, like, let's just talk about it right now, okay? 
Let's like we could talk about that loss in, like specifically, but I think we need to talk about them as a whole because right now they've lost the last three of their last four. Now one of them was against Edmonton. It was a close one. I think I just pumped their fucking tires a couple weeks ago, Boston, by saying these are guys that win close, gritty, low-scoring games. Well, what the fuck, guys? Why are you making me look fucking stupid? Um, and then, then they go win a game at Detroit or win a game at home against Detroit. Okay, you know you're supposed to do that, but then you lose five three in Detroit, and then you back that up with a six three loss in Chicago. The Chicago you, one was bad. Dude. They gave up a hat trick to Taylor Radish. Yeah, who? One Taylor of them. Redge. One of them was into an empty net. I'll give them that. But so what? But it, it yeah. still counts. Yeah, it's they're they're fucking they're struggling a little right now. Jim Montgomery on the bench last night, dude, he did not look happy at all. He was like, you know, come on, we just we had a rough little stretch, easy to get back on track against the tanking Hawks, and they go out there and do a performance like that. I mean, it just I don't know what's going on. I I was thrilled to see it because you know. Chicago picks up two more standing points. We'll get to the uh, the race to the bottom later, but yeah, Boston has got to iron it out quick, and I think they will. I mean, we see a lot of contending teams do this. They get into a little bit of a slump, you know, as you start to approach a stretch run. They don't really have that much to play for. They've already locked up a very, very good position in the standings, although now that giant cushion that they built for a long time is starting to shrink. If we're looking at the standings in the Eastern Conference right now, Boston's at 105, Carolina's at 96, New Jersey's at 94. Now, that's still a good cushion, but with the way Carolina and New Jersey are playing, I am ready to say now, if Boston can't get this ship righted, it's not out of the question to say that Carolina or New Jersey might be able to catch them by the end of the season. To it's be essentially four honest. and a half. It's- it's four and a half games with like seven between fifteen and seventeen games left, depending on the team. Yeah. Now it, it's a now, nine point cushion. That's all it is. Now, now here's a now here's a little hot take for you. I got a little hot take for you. Their next four, just you know, just before I get into my hot take, their next four. Let's take a look at that. They're still they're on they're still on a little roadie here. So they were at Detroit. They're at Chicago. Now they go at Winnipeg. Now they go to Winnipeg, and then they go to Minnesota, and then they go to Buffalo. And then they're home versus Ottawa. That's a tough little. It's tough. I mean, Ottawa's, you know, Ottawa's not really a playoff team, but they're still a good team. All those teams uh, are battling for the playoffs too. Yeah, like there's yeah. not a single team there that's out of it, and not a single team who's locked up a top seed. So those are a lot of those are a lot of hungry dogs, not a lot of fat cats. Yeah. No so problem. I'll say this. I'll say this. Even if even if Bo- if Boston goes, you know, one and three. Two and two in that in that little four game stretch right there, I'll say that might be the best thing for them before they head into the playoffs. Yeah, it's because they, face some adversity. They need they haven't faced adversity yet this season. Everything's been too freaking easy. So what more? What better than a little late season adversity? Like hey boys, like we're, we we got to get this righted before the playoffs. So you'll have you know. The two, I think, the two weeks left in, or you know, the one week left in March, and then two weeks in April, get it righted. That's what they need. And uh, speaking, you know, tying it into the college basketball that we alluded to earlier, 
you get a team that's super like you know undefeated late in the year or hell even undefeated going into the tournament which occasionally happens they haven't faced any adversity you know it you know a lot of coaches will say like yeah like if you're undefeated 20 something oh or whatever and you get a conference loss before your conference tournament in basketball they're like man that was good because we needed to face that adversity you know we need to see how we can rebound after getting punched in the mouth boston really wasn't punched in the mouth for the first four months of the year i'm now telling you now they're starting to feel it a little bit and their fans are sure as hell going after it on twitter bless you thank you and they uh yeah i got you and uh I feel like everybody there is starting to feel the heat a little bit because it's been it's been autopilot all season for the Boston Bruins, man. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It, it really has. They've been able to just kind of, for most games, they've been able to show up, fuck shit up, win, leave, and that's really been most of their season. Um, Lena Salmark hasn't faced much adversity now, um, or you know, hasn't been kind of rocked between the pipes. Now I know Swayman was in. For that second Detroit game, as well as the Chicago game, I believe. Yeah, so, maybe give Allmark a little bit of a break for a reset. He had a couple losses there. And, I think you uh, definitely. I mean, I mean, I think you definitely play him in that Winnipeg game. Oh, absolutely. I, he, he's a hundred percent between the pipes in that in that Winnipeg game. Oh yeah. Depending on what Minnesota's doing, and we can get that. We're I think we're going to get to them a little bit later. But depending on what they do. Um, you know, maybe you can rest him then to get ready for that game at Buffalo because I think that's going to be another crucial one too. That's an in-division one. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be really interesting to see how they respond here after taking that one on the chin in Chicago. I mean, that was not a good loss. Yeah, that was an ugly one, man. But 100%. as you said, Allmark, Allmark wasn't in. He's had a chance to get a little bit of rest, reset. That's the benefit of having two goalies you can rely on. Of course, you know, Swayman didn't really produce in his last two starts, but... I, I think they're going to be okay, and I like you said, Nate, I think this will probably be kind of good for them as long as they can get their shit figured out before. As long as they, yeah, as long as they can get it righted, as long as they can get it righted before then and, and have a couple of games where they look like the Bruins of most of the season, then that's when I'll feel comfortable solidifying that pick for them for the Cup. Yeah. Sure. No, totally fair, and I honestly cannot wait for our for playoff previews. It'll be so oh, fun. I know. I can't wait. It's so fun. Um, going from the team that, uh, you know, we're talking about winning the Cup this year to the team that won the Cup last year. I was watching the Avs game the other night. They did as they should. I mean, they, they pumped Montreal 8-4. They, you know, that, that should happen. Um, eight different Avs had multi-point games. You love to see, you know, your entire lineup producing. Um, but, you know, I, I just read, you know, Lekkinen broke his hand. He's out four to six weeks now. A lot of injuries for the Avs, but they seem to be surging at the right time. Um, the addition of Lars Eller has been great. That's a guy that'll go down and crush you on the four check, you know, gets back great two ways, two way forward. Um, my question to you guys, when it comes to the abs is we kind of touched on this earlier, but I want to know, do we think the injury bug will resolve itself in the next month? And do you think a lot of these guys are just going to play hurt through playoffs or do we think that it's going to be a big problem when you go up and down their IR? Dude, I I'll jump in on this first and foremost, man. I, there's, it's one thing for these guys to play, you know, a little injured in the playoffs, but for, you know, especially like a guy like Landis Cog, we haven't seen him all year. Is he yeah. all of a sudden, is he all of a sudden going to appear like April 1st and yeah. just all, yeah, exactly. Like just show up April 1st, play a few regular season games and then be there for the playoffs. And then when they either win the cup or lose in the playoffs, we find out that he was playing with, you know, half a 
fake leg the entire fucking series. Like, come on. Um, I and then you know the Lekkinen injury. I mean, the guy finally shows out in a game against Montreal, gets two goals, and then now he's injured. Um, you know, could be day to day, but it just seems like they're stacking up on that IR. Yeah, I mean, they've been on the IR a lot all season. And I think it's one of those things, like, injuries are so unpredictable. You have the best training staff in the world. You have the guys that take care of their bodies the best in the world. And you're still going to have just random errant injuries that happen. Um, you know, like an in breaking his hand. It, what, did he get hit with a puck there? Yeah. I'm thinking that was what, yeah, he took a puck to the hand. I mean, that's just some shit you can't control. It, I mean, it all depends on what kind of health level these guys are at coming into the playoffs. Like, if Landeskog comes back and he's just been out so long because they want to make sure he's 100%, awesome. If he's coming in and just, like, hobbled, it's it's tough to say where it's going to go. So, I like, I think, though, back to Tampa when they won their first cup in the bubble, Steven Stamkos played one shift. He played one shift in the cup final skated down, ripped an absolute beauty of a goal into the Dallas net, and that was it. And they still found a way to power through because of their depth and their experience. And I think Colorado could do that. It just depends on if they lose more people. Their blue line is the biggest area that I would be concerned about because Kale McCarr, he just came back. Well, Byron's been back for a little bit. He just scored his first goal in what feels like forever in that game against Montreal. If their blue line is healthy, that is the motor of their team. That blue line and Nathan McKinnon and Miko Rantanen. If those guys are healthy, I think they should be able to fill in around them. But it also depends on who they go up against. If they go up against, you know, a Vegas or a Dallas who's completely healthy, those are deep teams that can expose their bottom six. So it it's going to really be dependent on who's healthy at what time and what the matchups are, in my opinion. I think this also, I think us seeing, you know, the injury problems that Colorado's faced this year, you know, you got to think, you know, is some of this lingering from last year's cup run. Um, And then that also makes you kind of, and this, I might throw up when I say this, but kind of makes you throw a little extra respect on what the Tampa Bay lightning did by going to three straight cup finals. And the fact that they were able to have the health to make it to three straight cup finals and almost be in president's trophy contention for two of those runs. Yeah. I'll also say one silver lining on all this, the fact that they have been playing with injuries all season long, they've got a lot of guys who normally don't play big minutes getting experience in that role in the regular season. So you get the playoffs and you either you don't have your full roster yet or you lose a couple big guys. Everyone in that lineup's used to stepping up and filling shoes after doing it all season long. So it's not like you're throwing a guy into an area he's never played before when you bump somebody up to the top line wing. Yeah, no, it's true. You're right, Aaron. And it's it's one of the things, too, when you look at this team as well, in terms of the avalanche, nobody wants them. Nobody wants them in playoffs. Whether they you know win the Central Division or their wild card, too, nobody wants them. Especially out west, because this team has seen and done it all, you know. And, and they just and they still have. I mean, they still have the firepower. You have Natty Max. You have Makar. You have just, I mean, line after line of guys that can beat that can sneakily beat you. JT Comper, like that's Mika a guy that. Rantanen, sh- dude. Miko Rantanen, Miko Rantanen's been lighting it the fuck up this year, dude. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, Colorado, man. It'll be interesting to see how the season unfolds for them. 
Uh, hopping over to their team in the Central Division, the Dallas Stars. They uh, did a little pumping of the uh, Seattle Kraken on Monday night and then, you know, got pumped on Tuesday night with their backup in. But that's to be expected. You're playing a back-to-back. It's a, You know, it's tough. Offensive team like Vancouver. But that's not the point I want to talk about. Hot team, too. Vancouver's been ripping it up. Yeah, they have. They have uh, Elias Pettersson leads the league in, uh, what was it? Was it power play points or whatever? Something along those lines. Points on the power play, I believe it was. Something ridiculous. Some ridiculous stat I heard on TSN. Um, but I think we did talk about Wyatt Johnson for the Calder. Calder Calder has gotten quiet. Beneers is definitely the odds-on favorite. But guys like Logan Thompson have fallen off. You know? I think we need to start putting some respect on Wyatt Johnson's name. How, what do you, how do you feel about that one, Aaron? I mean, I I think if he continues to produce at this rate, yes. Um, the Calder race is really tight behind Beneers. I mean, you've got Johnson right now. He's sitting in third place in points. Or, sorry, he's tied for fourth in points with Kent Johnson of the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, he's actually second in goals, though, with 18, which is nice for him. And a lot of that production has come in his last 10 games. He's got five goals, four assists, nine points in his last 10 games. A lot of that's due to an outrageous shooting percentage of 22.7, which I expect to regress a little bit. His season average is 14%, which is still pretty high. So, I mean, if he can keep this going, I think he absolutely puts himself into that Calder conversation. But I'm just based on that sky-high shooting percentage and most of those points coming in a, a short stretch of a hot streak, I'm, I'm not ready to give it to him yet. But he's been a big piece of that second line here. Um, I, I'm just... Uh, I'm amazed with the chemistry he's found with Jamie Benn, and yeah. he's he's been a guy they can lean on. Dallas has really got some scoring depth going for him now. They have, though they really do, and there's a couple other guys that have been uh, contributing too, and Johnson's not the only first-year player in Dallas. They have an even newer player, Nate, that's been tearing it up for him as well. Yeah, dude, um, fucking Dadanov. Like, this guy is killing it man three goals five assists eight points in nine games since his trade was that was that from vegas am, am i montreal. correct montreal for dennis for dennis guriano who yeah, i think montreal is pretty happy with too he's got four that, goals and an assist in nine games since the trade and he's on a three-game goal streak and a four-game point streak so i think dallas was the problem with him man he he seems to have figured it out ever since he went up to uh french canadia and vice versa for or for Dadanov, Dadanov, whatever, whoever you want to think is right on that one. I'm still thinking I'm right, but either way, um, <laughs> just, just call him Daddy. You know you want yeah. to. Yeah, Dadanov, Daddy, da- Dadanov, Dadanov, Evgeny Daddy. That, that that's what you're really talking about. Suck um, me. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Um. I mean, while we're on the Western Conference, boys, I, I did want to give the big shout-out there because I feel like the Calder – nobody's talking about Kent Johnson, but we talk about the Blue Jackets a lot. And I think why – or, yeah, Kent Johnson, sorry. Why Johnson isn't getting the love uh, that I think he deserves down in Dallas. So I wanted to give that a quick quick touch base and a quick shout. Um, I want to go back up to Edmonton, boys. Uh, I was watching their game the other night. McDavid got number 56 on a cheap little empty netter late in the game, which was great. I'm like, thank God. Let's get, let's get McJesus to 70. But uh, – their big complaint is the goaltending. Did you see the fucking save that Jeff, that uh, Stuart Skinner made? Jeff Skinner. Stuart Skinner made. He went full Frogger mode, jumped out out of nowhere, like gut reaction, like laid out full on frontal, and just took the puck in the chest and it rolled away. And I was like, where the fuck did that come from? 
He's like, he's an athletic guy, man. He he does make some crazy saves like that. He's the athletic guy who's not that consistent, and Jack Campbell's the guy who can make a lot of the saves you expect him to make, but doesn't ever make the spectacular ones. So if you combine both of those guys together into a goalie sandwich, you got one great tendy. But alone, they're neither of them are really that impressive. But yeah, just looking here at Skinner's numbers, um, he has been better lately. 906 save percentage in that game against Ottawa. 838, not great against Toronto. But before that, 929 against Boston. That was huge. 949 against Buffalo. 893 against Winnipeg. 929 against Toronto again. So he's got some solid performances in there. It's just stringing them all together and being consistent with it, which is what Edmonton really needs. Absolutely. Um, Speaking of Edmonton, by the way, Nate, I want to ask you, because I feel like you'll have a fun response to this. I had a guy coming I had a guy come at me on Twitter, and he was like, man, if McDavid wasn't on the team, Dreisaitl would only have three of his 27 power play goals. Factor cap. Yo, that's mad cap, dog. Like, I can't believe that. What kind of shit is that guy smoking? Because I need my guy to go talk to his guy. That shit is absolutely nutty. Like, to think that, oh, shit, I'm watching this. Oh, Rasmus Sandin just went down nasty, man. Ooh. Sorry. Knee, knee, bad knee. Ooh. Bad, really bad knee. Uh, sorry to sorry to go in there. Um, uh, no, dude. Fucking Leon Dreisaitl is a – he's the gem, and he is the fucking goal scorer. Are you fucking kidding me, dude? This guy would find a way to put a puck in the net – doesn't he doesn't need McDavid to set him up from the center? He really doesn't. I I'm gonna say Nate. He would have more than three. I don't think he's got more than ten though, because so so many of those goals have been off of ridiculous little moves from McDavid from the bumper, just ditching it off to him. He just posts up on that freaking right circle, man, and hammers one timers that McDavid sets him up for. So. I don't think he's all the way down to three because McDavid has assisted on all but three of his power play goals. That's that's this guy's logic. I think he's yep. going to find a way to create more than three, but I don't think he's anywhere close to 27 power play goals without McDavid on that unit. Sure. I mean, that's that, that's entirely fair. I just, you know, I wanted to throw it out there. I, I, you know, I had people giving me heat for it when I said, you know, he's an MVP. Yeah, I don't know if he's an MVP without McDavid, but he all he is a very good player. That's fair, and you know what? They just beat the Sens, and you know that uh, that Edmonton team, man, they're sitting right there. They're in third. They're a point ahead of the Kraken. The Kraken do have a game in hand, but dude, the top three in the Pacific have all played 68, which means we got 14 left. We got Vegas at 90, Kings at 87, Oilers 82, and then the Kraken game in hand, like I said, 81. Man, that is going to be a fun race to the finish in the Pacific, but. From a guy that got traded to the Pacific and to the team he got traded to, the Carolina Hurricanes, with devastating news this week. Shvechnikov is going to be out for the rest of the year and playoffs. Torn ACL. He's having surgery. Brutal. And in his absence, everybody was talking about, oh, man, what's going to happen with the Canes? They don't have Svech. Although he's not leading the team in points. Martin Nietzsche says, for those that didn't know. But... Last night, Kakadami put the team on his fucking back. They beat the Jets 5-3, and he had three points last night. They're going to need a lot of big performances like this going forward if the Canes want to not only win the Metro, but maybe make, you know, make a big name for themselves in playoffs. So, Aaron, I wanted to ask you, 
for the Canes, are they really kicking themselves for not going harder after a guy like Timo Myers? Maybe. I, I still don't think they wanted to uh, pay that ransom for Timo Meyer with the uncertainty about the contract extension. Um, this ownership group has really been a safe bet kind of group. Like they don't they don't make that many big risks. And trading a shitload of assets for Timo Meyer without knowing if you can re-sign him is a lot bigger risk than what they want to take. And really, like, they're the kind of team that they'll set they're like Steve Eiserman. They'll set their price of what they think someone's worth, and they're not paying a penny more. So if Timo Meyer wasn't willing to accept whatever offer they gave him, they were going to be out because they weren't going to move at all to bring him in. Um, I think they could have done more to bring in supplemental scoring, though. Like, Max Domi worked out great for them in the playoffs last year. They could have had him for a fourth-round pick. Uh, there, there's other guys that they could have pursued to bolster their scoring depth with Pacioretty going out and now, you know, some insurance policy for a guy like Svechnikov going down. Yeah. It's brutal. No patches, no fetch. Like it's, yeah. it's, it's a tough scene, man. It really is. But they're also not a team that makes their money on running up the score either. Like they just forecheck you to fucking death and wait for you to make mistakes. And it's, I've been. I on mean, record. they can they can shit pump you with goals if they need to. They they can once they wear you down. I've been on record saying that I think they kind of go a little too hard in the regular season. That's why we always see them flame out in the playoffs. But, I mean, that's neither here nor there. They're really going to have to buckle down to get on a playoff run here and just have the whole committee going after it. And if Kakaniemi can finally step up and live up to his draft pedigree, that'd be great. Because this guy was taken third overall by Montreal. He's never put up third overall pick numbers. Um, And I actually did see on Twitter there was some discourse going around, like, which guy's the better player, Josh Anderson or Yasperi Kotkaniemi? Which Ooh. it's kind of wild to compare the two because they're totally different players. But let me rattle some stats off here, guys, and we'll we'll see what everyone thinks. So Josh An- off, Josh Anderson, he's 28 years old. He's got 21 goals, nine assists, 31 points this season. This is his second season breaking the 20 goal barrier. He's had some injury issues. Um, otherwise he probably would have been through there before. Cause he's got like 19, 17, 18 and like barely over half season played. Um, he's got a $5.5 million cap hit. He's been hot lately as well. He's got three goals and one assist in his last four games on an absolute dog shit Montreal team. And he brings an element of physicality and penalty killing. And he's a weapon on the four check. Kotkaniemi, he's got 14 goals, 19 assists, 33 points this year. He's 22 years old, so the, he's got a lot of development yet to do. And he's cheaper on a $4.82 million cap hit. Both guys are locked up for multiple years in the future. Kakaniemi isn't a big penalty killer. He's not a big frame, but he can play center, and he's got a lot more offensive upside. So what do you guys think? Who would you rather have? And keep in mind that one was drafted in like the fourth round or third round, and the other was drafted third overall. I think I'm taking Kakaniemi. Yeah? I think so. What about you, Phil? You know what? I was debating this when you sent this over, and one of the things I wanted to know is, what is the best ability, boys? Uh, availability. Correct. Yesperi Kakaniemi. Say it five times fast. It's really fun. Yesperi Kakaniemi. Yesperi Kakaniemi. Yesperi Kakaniemi. Crazy, crazy fins in their names. Um. 1920, he spent time uh, up and down between Montreal and Laval. And then in 2018-19, he broke it. He played 79 games, had 34 points. Then in 2020-2021, he played every game. They only played 56 that year. 
Last year he played 66 games in Carolina, and this year he's played 66 games thus far in Carolina. With his, you know, he needs one more point to break to tie his career high point total. Um, I would say he's pretty healthy. Would you guys agree? Would say pretty healthy based on that. I'd say that's that's a fairly healthy guy right yeah, there. Yeah, I'd say that's so. a guy. That's a guy that's that's a guy that's dressed for pretty. That's dressed for three fourths of the games. Yeah. So Josh Anderson is a little different story. Josh Anderson, uh, I'll exclude his first two years in the league because he was up and down between Springfield and then Lake Erie. Uh, 16, 17, he played 78. 17, 18, he played 63. He did play all 82 in 18, 19, where he had 47 points that season. That was, that was probably his best. That was his highlight season. Yeah, 27 Correct. goals. Absolutely, yeah. 27 talks, 47 points. Then he went 26 where he had one goal and three assists, where he was terrible in nineteen twenty. Yeah, he he got in a fight earlier in that season, in the twenty sixth game. Uh, he fucked up his shoulder, tried to rehab it. The team wouldn't let him get surgery. Then eventually, he needed surgery. So that that was a botched effort on all fronts. Yeah, uh, yeah. He he stuck up for one of his teammates, got in a fight, defended him, and tore himself up and struggled with injury after that. And that absolutely. So, I mean, you know, Josh Anderson didn't get the best medical advice there, but he then played almost the full season in 2020, 2021, 69 games last year. He's played 66 thus far this season. Um, to me, that they're very similar in that regard, I guess. The difference to me is Josh Anderson is, is a pure power forward. He scores goals, not a great passer of the puck. Kakaniemi, I don't know why I'm struggling so much to say that name right now. Kakaniemi has more, I mean, not only does he have more assists and goals as most players do, to me he's a better passer of the puck and he's a little more versatile. Like, Josh Anderson's not going to play down the middle where it's very cockney can do that. So, I don't know. That's just my opinion. I think I'd rather have cockney too. But if you have three good centers and then a fourth-line grinding center, Josh Anderson's probably more suited for your team. Yeah, I... I've gone back and forth on this too. I think right now I would much rather have Josh Anderson because like you said, versatility, Phil, but not positional versatility, versatility in the way that you play. Josh Anderson is a puck hound. He works on the four check. He kills penalties. He's great off the rush when you put him with good players. He's not a facilitator. He's a goal scorer and he's a power forward. Kotkaniemi really is only good at offense. He doesn't defend well. He's carried by Carolina's powerful forwards. He can play down the middle. That's a valuable trade. I think if I'm going for the future, I want Kakaniemi because I think his game can develop. He's a little bit cheaper. He's younger. He's got more potential. For right now, though, I would rather have Josh Anderson if I've got a good team because he he brings an element that not a lot of players do. Yeah, I not, there's nothing I can argue in what you just said there. To be honest, yeah, if you're doing a five-year contract, I'm taking Kakinami every time. If I'm doing a two-year deal and you need some playoff grit, someone will, you know, after you run him up, we'll fill him in. Josh Anderson's your guy. Speaking of grit, boys, fucking Steve Austin makes a hell of an IPA with El Segundo. I Wait a second, say. I thought you were smashing that on your head, bitch. What happened to that? I did. You missed it. You missed oh, it. okay. You must have had your mic muted for that one, huh? I did. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, man, look at that forehead. So red. Fucking, so uh, can't you hear the CTE in my voice? <laughs> I think you've had oh. CTE in your voice since we started. 
Hey, I plead the fifth. I plead the fifth on that one. It's all right. We, we've all got a little that, bit of CTE. That would be the fastest diagnosis of CTE of all time. Speaking of quick, Jonathan, my friend, 4-0-0 in Vegas right now, boys. This dude, dude killing it. This, dude, this, dude guy, can... this guy's the stone cold of the NHL right now, man. Actually, he yeah. might be the fucking Undertaker, to be honest with you. Just when you think he's dead, he comes back and tears shit up. Grave robber. He's a grave robber. Yeah, dude. Like, what the fuck? Fucking 930 save percentage, 2.22 goals allowed average, 3.2 goals saved above average in only four games. He's, he's the reason Vegas has a little breathing room in that Pacific Division, man. They hit the 90-point mark. Dude, yeah. yeah they, without they them, without them, I, without them I, I don't think they – I think they'd be in third right now. Yeah, dude, because every other goalie on the roster is hurt. Like, they don't have a fucking goalie outside of him. They got one guy who made his NHL debut. He got the win. Good for him. Uh, his name's escaping me right now. But, I mean, Quick is going to carry the fucking mail for this team here down the stretch. And he is on his revenge tour, dude. I cannot wait to see this guy in the playoffs. He, he's got one more run in him, I'm feeling. And he's got a good defense in front of him. It's It's going to be great to watch. Can't I can't fucking wait. We're getting to the uh, little more expedited part of the program before we get down to the fun topic at the end here. Um, I want to hop over. We were mentioning wildcard two earlier, and I brought up the Florida Panthers. Um, assuming the Sabres hang on to win tonight, they'll be even on points. And, I, guys, I was looking at the Panthers' sketty going forward. First of all, 6-3-1 and one in their last 10. Not bad. Um, that being said, though, I don't know... I don't know what to think about this team, to be honest. That I don't think the trade they made really benefited any of the parties involved. I don't know if you guys agree with that to start off. Which trades that? The Kachuk deal in oh, the, the offseason? Yeah, the big one. I mean, I think it's paid off pretty well for... I think it's paid off pretty well for um, Florida. Kachuk's their leading He's got the most points on their team, 30 goals, 57 apples, 87 points. I, I'm i going to say it paid off for Florida because they weren't going to be able to keep Uyghur and Huberto. Those guys together, their, their new contracts were just going to be way, way more than they could afford. So instead of you know trying to half-ass patch this thing together with a bunch of players— they traded for a guy who is a clear and massive, massive, massive upgrade over Jonathan Huberdeau, who can only really produce when he's passing the puck to good players. And you get a guy who can do everything offensively. And Mackenzie Weger, unfortunately, you just couldn't afford to keep him. So you, you have Brandon Montour there. He's helped a little bit. The defense is kind of helping out by committee. It's taken him quite a while to really get rolling. But I think Florida is the clear winner of this trade. Calgary, their hands were tied. They lost Johnny and Kachuk because they didn't want to re-sign there. So they did the best they could, bringing in Huberto and Uyghur and then signing Kadri and free agency. So, I mean, they're they're reeling still. They're still limp dicks. They just got their 20th loss of the season now when they lost to the Yotes last night when out shooting a Brutal. team by more than 10. They outshot them 2-1. to one. It was like 42-21 to 21 shots on goal. Outrageous. That was Pittsburgh last night against Montreal, and it was 5-4 before the empty netter. Montreal had, like, five goals on 17 shots. Dude, um, watching, just watching that game, every time Calgary rushed up the ice, the Yotes just stacked up the blue line, and they either lost the puck and went the other way, 
or Calgary gets it into the zone, they're just on the outside and send a hope pass to the middle of the ice to somebody's streak and not in a dangerous area. When will these motherfuckers learn you need to take the puck to the net to score? It's insane. It just blows my mind. What a wild concept. Get the puck. Puck's on net from a decent angle, and good things happen. Battle in the difficult areas. Take a fucking hit to make a play. Yeah, not not a hard concept. It's Dude. Been the hockey mantra forever. Dude, I'll tell you, a guy that a guy that I think Florida has got to be loving, and I'm I'm about to look up his contract info, but Itu Lusterainen, like this guy has been killing it for them for the last two for the last two seasons. To be honest with you, like just going back to going back to last season, you know, nine goals, seventeen assists, twenty six points, and seventy eight games played. Uh, then going, you know, this year in 67 games played, 16 goals, 20, 20 apples, 36 points. So he's already 10 points above where he was last year in total. That's a guy that is just really developing his game and a guy that came over from Carolina. So, hmm. That's paying off pretty well for them, honestly. So I I mean... I touched on Brandon Montour. They signed him last year. He had a decent season. But we look at him this year. He's fourth on the team in points. That's one of the reasons I think they thought they could give up Uyghur. He's he's 28 years old. Not super young. He's right in his prime. 12 goals, 43 assists, 55 points. I mean, he's in a lot of these games, too, the recent ones they've been winning, he has had clutch goals at key moments. Like, He'll, he knows when he needs to pinch in, join the rush, get aggressive offensively. Last season, he played a lot lower minutes. He was only averaging 17.54 per game. He had 11 goals, 26 assists, 37 points. This season, he's all the way up to 24 minutes and 13 seconds per game. Top pair minutes. 12 goals, 43 yeah. assists, 55 points. Boy, dude. And and just taking a look at it real quick, I did get the numbers up on uh, – sorry, to get before you – uh, lose to Ryan 1.5 cap hit for the next two seasons. Solid. Very that solid. is yeah. that that is great, man. You've that got is, this guy locked. Is. Dude, Brandon Montour 3.5 cap hit for this season and next. That's actually so actually, cheap. I'm sorry, for top defenseman. Actually, I'm sorry. Lose to Ryan is is this year and next, and then and then his um, deal is up. And what is he? Is he a UFA? Uh, I'm not seeing anything on that, but anyway. Nate, that is like that is like finding a restaurant on DoorDash that has kept their prices the same for like three years, and they're like one of your go-to's. You're like, oh, this place delivers for super cheap every time, and the food's incredible. It's like one of those hidden gems. Oh, he's RFA, RFI, Luce Ryan's RFA, RFA, dude. That's that's perfect. That's perfect. That that's perfect. Boy, speaking of apps that we check way too often, guys, make sure you go on Instagram, follow us at Beerly Sports. Go on there and check out the store as well. We have some great Beerly Hockey merch. If you like the content, go on there and support us. Get some new mics, shit like that. Um, who knows, maybe even a studio for some of us. We're but, poor, We're poor, y'all. Come on, yeah. help us out. So m- make sure you guys go on there. If you love the podcast, support us. Follow Beerly Sports. Follow us at Beerly Hockey on Twitter. And remember to give us a five-star review. Um, we could talk about, you know, great contracts, this and that. We don't know where this next guy's contract's going to come from. We don't know who it's going to be. But right now, that's not relevant because Patrick Kane is starting to look pretty dialed in in New York. Would you agree, Aaron? Absolutely, dude. Patrick Kane, 
Uh, Gerard Gallant made a move that not a lot of people were expecting, but I think it was a stroke of genius. He swapped Artemi Panarin and Chris Kreider on the left wing. So Panarin's now playing with Zabanajad and Tarasenko, and Kane is now with Trocek and Chris Kreider. And Patrick Kane now has three goals, two assists, and five points in his last four games. Basically what this does, it allows each of those guys, they're both pure playmakers, they had beautiful chemistry in Chicago, but that was back when Panarin was a rookie, and he he wasn't like the pure driver that he is now. So now you have two offensive drivers, one on each of your top two lines. Those guys can really run with the puck, and you have two guys who are good at supporting them. And like Zabanajad and Tarasenko are both pure snipers. Uh, Tarasenko has got a little bit of an edge to him on the forecheck as well. Zabanajad's got some passing talent. Then Trocek is just a dog who goes in and wins puck battles. And so is Kreider. Kreider battles in front of the net. He's always in the right spot. And then that frees up Kane and Panarin each to be the puck possession guy on those lines. And it's produced a ton of great results. The Rangers have looked much better since that happened. Kane has looked much better. And they're back to 100% wagon status, in my opinion. Uncovered wagon. Uncovered wagon. No no covered wagons. Dude, uh, here's a here's a verbal I'm gonna give you guys a verbal meme here. You ready? This is this is how the New York Rangers have to be feeling right now. Verbal meme. Imagine the movie Happy Gilmore. He looks back, says, Uh oh, Happy learned how to putt. But it's a New York <laughs> Rangers logo <laughs> on top of on top of Happy. It says, Uh oh, Kaner learned the system. Yeah. Uh oh. I like that. Uh oh. Kaner learned the system. What's really nice for the Rags too is they're not only getting good good goaltending play from Igor Shesterkin as we all expected, but Shesterkin. Halak has been incredible. Halak's been Halak's been great relieving him. Yeah, sorry yeah. to jump in. No, that by all means, Nate. Uh, Halak's been phenomenal, and we're gonna go from a team with their goaltending solidified to a team that I think they're still gonna make wild card one. But fuck me, running man, Pittsburgh Penguins. Are you gonna go with DeSmith or Jari? Because Jari can't finish a game right now. So, if I'm a Penn fan, I'm sitting there like, what do I want? And yes, when they, they did win a cup with Flurry and Matt Murray going back and forth, neither one of these guys is a Hall of Famer, so we can kind of eliminate that comparison off the bat. I mean, Matt Murray is a great player, and then Flurry is a Hall of Famer. Uh, are you guys rocking with the Smith or Jari going forward? Because I have no fucking clue what they're going to do. I mean, well, see, here's, Jari see, here's when what he's available, do. but he's here's not. what you do. Here's what you do. Okay, so you start the first period with Jari, and then depending on how that first period looks, you may ride with him again for the second, and then you go into Smith for the third, or go into Smith maybe in the third, or just depending on how that second's going, toss him in at any point in time. Tendies are the biggest head cases of all time, and you're recommending that they do it by period. Absolutely. You just can't bring a guy in cold off the bench man. and su- expect success. He doesn't even get a fucking warm up there, bud. Maybe I'm. I mean, I you, like you bring him in if you have to. If if Jari gets hurt or just is shit in the bed and you have to pull him, yeah. But I'm not planning so what you on guys changing are... goalies between periods. But they have to just. So what you guys out are which saying these guys is, can go. What you're saying is it might be chaotic. We do, we do love chaos. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, I suckered you guys into that one, didn't I? You oh fuckers. fuck, oh Washington! God. Washington no. just 
brought this back to within fuckers. one. Yeah. Don't got drink you. it. It's for the rookie. Oh, a bar of stuff. Oh, I got you good, you fucker. We got, we got fucking Evgeny Kuznetsov just ripping the booger sugar and ripping missiles from the slot to <laughs> come within one goal of time this game. Tis the Russian way. Did, did you listeners at home have Evgeny Kuznetsov booger sugar reference on your beerly hockey bingo card? Because if, if so, you just won fucking bingo, baby. Damn. Beerly, beerly hockey bingo. Hey, if any of our listeners come up with a bingo card, send it to us. That would be fucking hilarious, by the way. If there's like little peccadillos that we say on this pod that you're like, oh man, these guys said that again. I would love to know what those are. So please let us know at Beerly Hockey or tag me at Postgrad Phil. I'm happy to, you know, sort through those. I think you know the- is going to be the biggest thing on there. We we rip out the you knows. Like, uh, you know. we we go back to you know probably three or four times a sentence, I would say. Oh, sure. Yeah, no. No, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no. no. Oh, sure, bud. The no, I mean, yeah, yeah, knows. Really, hearing hearing all of the things that we say that other annoy the listeners, we do a lot. That would be annoying. You know what else is annoying? Being a fan of a team that sucks. And we haven't done it yet, but we need to do it tonight. We got to talk about the fucking race to the bottom, don't we? Yeah. I went down in a burning ring of fire. Yeah. We had uh, one of the many to come Connor Bedard championships last night. Columbus Blue Jackets and San Jose Sharks. And they just... Oh, shit. They both lost. Oh, sorry. I, I just reacted to a hit live. and man, Oh, yeah, that was, that was massive. Holy cow, man. Talk about de-skated, dude. Anyway, um, go ahead, Aaron. Sorry. Um, sorry, I, I was watching this hit, too. I got distracted. Yeah, uh, yeah anyway. I'll yeah, no, they in. both I'll shit the in, bed. Bro. They both shit the bed. They went to fucking overtime. Both picked Thank up a God. point. Thank God it went to overtime, dude, because really, like, if if that game doesn't go to overtime, if the Blue Jackets win that game in regulation, yeah, then uh, they are one point, then they are one point behind the San Jose Sharks for last place. Yeah. Thankfully that game goes to overtime. The Sharks also get a point and we stay at oh least God. two Is points. Pekalukin and drunk. He just allowed a weird goal to Kuznetsov and then he just fell on his ass skating out of this crease to try and play this puck. Like, this guy's more buckled than we are are right now. Are you guys drunk? Are you guys drunk? We might be. We might be drunk. By the way, it's a great podcast. We might be drunk. Listen to that one. It's funny. Mark Norman, Sam Morrill, very funny. Um, This race at the bottom is fun. We have some numbers here right now. The Blue Jackets stand, statistically, 25.5% of of the chance to get the number one pick. Hashtag hot and Bedard. Hot and Bedard. San Jose Sharks have a 13.5% chance to be hashtag hot and Bedard. Chicago has an 11.5% chance to be hot in Bedard. Anaheim has a 9.5% chance to be hot in Bedard. And then Philly has an 8.5% chance to be hot in Bedard. Pretty wild that I Philly think, has overtaken Arizona in this venture. Yeah. The Yotes, the Yotes just don't care about, about tanking. They don't care about winning. All they care about is that they can be the retirement home for LTIR. They, That's all they are. They did win some Glendale, money baby. against Calgary last night, I will have to say, though. Well, you know what? Shout out to the Yotes for making a little money. But uh, right now, it's a giant race to the bottom. We will definitely be keeping up with this the last two weeks of the season. We'll have like a uh, an every pod update on race to the bottom stats. Um, but right now, as it stands, I feel like Philly is going to be a sneaky team that's going to get like weasel their way in to like top three odds. Would you guys agree with that? Oh, yeah. 
they've already done it once back in the uh, Nico Heischer, Nolan Patrick draft, and then they just pissed away Nolan Patrick, got him concussed like six times, and shipped him off to Vegas for nothing. Oh, I forgot about that. I forgot that Nolan, Nolan Patrick like, sat out an entire year, didn't he? Yeah, dude. Philly fucked him up. And they're probably going to do the same goddamn thing to Matt V. Fucked him up. Yeah, Philly is a, yeah, it's an interesting place. At least they're accepting the rebuild now. Yeah. Philly fans. I, did have, I did have a Flyers fan in my mentions. Like, I can't believe we're rebuilding. And I'm like, well, yeah, dog, you guys kind of fucking need Finally. it right now. Yeah. Boy, I'll Dude, tell you. Flyers I'll fans say- should be throwing a parade. They've been floating along with these half-ass retools for years and just pissing away the best years of their good players' careers, spending shitloads of money, never competitive. Like, time to fucking tear Rock- it down. Hell- and, and dude, outlet. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Here, I'll jump in real quick. For all the people that have been out there saying, boy, if I'm Connor Bedard, I really don't want to go to Columbus. Sorry, Philly, but boy, if I'm Connor Bedard, I really don't want to fucking go to Philly. Are you kidding me? That it's, is. Connor Bedard is friends he, with Kent Johnson, and he watches Columbus games. Yeah, if dude. I'm, if Connor, I'm Philly Bedard. would eat him. Philly would eat him alive, dude. If I'm Connor Bedard, I want to go to either Columbus or Chicago. The two teams, one, that's Columbus, young, has talent, you know, very injury-prone this year, but but very young. The youngest team in the NHL now after Buffalo made their trades. And not a lot of media pressure either. And mm-hmm. virtually none. Uh, some would say it's just my good buddy Jeff Savota. Um and then Chicago, a lot of media pressure, but also no pressure to win given the circumstances there right now. There'll be pressure for him to perform, but an easy place to bring in free agents. That rebuild would take half the time of a Columbus or a Winnipeg or, a, you know, an Ottawa. And honestly, and honestly, still not that rough of a media market. No. Yeah, because you got the Bulls, the Bears. You're, there's a lot of bigger the Cubs, teams. The Cubs. Oh, yeah. The Cubs, the, Cubs. the Sox. Yeah, the, yeah. Cubs are the, the Cubs are the biggest media there besides probably the Bears. I mean, bigger than the, the Bulls, really? But uh, now the I, Bulls have no expectations. I feel like the I, I guess Bulls Chicago is right. kind of a baseball town. They're that like old school, sit on your ass for three hours and wait for something to happen kind of fan base. That's, there will be Woo! no baseball slander on the pod. I love baseball. We're not going to go there. <laughs> I'm with. I'm We're with not going to go there. Aaron, We're not going to do you, it. If, any, if anything, we could slander golf. Hey, I, we could slander huge. golf too. Hey, you! I'll I'll stand up for golf all day, man. I'm I'm only I'm only kidding. I just wanted to I want I wanted to poke poke the bear down there. The Wait, real like, quick, Phil, on the baseball front, it have yeah. are the rumors correct? Have they instituted a uh, pitching clock? Oh yeah, it's trash. Hell yeah, bro. That's that's the no. kind of shit that like makes me not want to watch baseball. because you're sitting there watching this guy grab his balls for ten fucking minutes before he throws a pitch. I think I think baseball's beauty is that it's the exact opposite of hockey. People go to a hockey game to be stimulated. You know, there's constant action, and then there's physicality with scoring. People go to a baseball game to take a nap. You go to a baseball game to get drunk with your friends, and you hear the crack of the bat, and you look up, and there's a ball sailing over the fence. Well, that's that's for live stuff, but, like, on TV, man... Oh, baseball on TV is the perfect, like, get set for your next day and have it on in the background, almost like a modern radio kind of deal. Hmm. Baseball was the game designed for radio. Hockey's also a great game on radio too. A lot it of people is. want to watch yeah. hockey on TV 
hockey is a great game. If you have a good, if you have a good announcer, hockey can be fucking amazing on the radio. Yeah, you gotta get a guy that paints a verbal picture. Bob McGilligan. A you mean a a, a cunning linguist, a a Rembrandt of the oral variety. Mm. Is that a, Sounds like you're one of those with those kind of words, Phil. Somebody with a sharp but smooth tongue. Ooh, erotic scenes. All the ladies mm. are looking for that sharp, smooth tongue. Guys, we do have one more thing before we wrap up this episode. I wanted to go into this. I texted I texted you guys about it in the group chat the other day. I loved Bill Armstrong. I was listening to 32 Thoughts. Shout out to 32 Thoughts. Bill Armstrong tried to defend his horrible mishandling of the Jacob Chikrin trade by saying, it's hard to trade a player when he's coming off a season where he's minus 20. He was terrible then. You throw in the injury history. Jacob Chikrin being minus 20 in Arizona is not his fault. That is a bad, bad team. And I get where he's coming from, and I know Aaron has some stats on this. But I just wanna I just wanna wax poetic for a second. Using plus minus is already funny enough to me. It's like quarterback wins or pitcher wins. I uh, like it, like even as a guy that brings up plus minus sometimes when I talk about stats, well, yeah. like it's still a stat. It is a stat, but that's not. You need to have context surrounding it. Yeah, I just think it's kind of silly to use that. But Aaron, I think you might have a little argument in favor of mr armstrong so i i did at first i was like you know now that i look at well first of all i'm never going to agree with him because he said he used it as reference that he was terrible he wasn't fucking terrible he was your best defenseman he had seven goals 14 assists in only 47 games those aren't like incredible numbers he was hurt for some of them but he was absolutely not terrible but he did have the third lowest plus minus on the team now most of that, if you apply context to it, I couldn't find the exact numbers, but a lot of those minuses were from empty net goals because the Yotes were trailing late in the third period and he was on the ice trying to make something happen. So when you're, you're down 3-2, you're out on the ice trying to make something happen, one of your forwards turns it over, they shoot it down, it goes into your net. That's not your fucking fault. You should not get a minus for that. Like... It, it's just absolutely outrageous that this GM is trying to use this stat to cover up his goddamn blunder of overplaying his hand, asking for the whole goddamn farm for this guy who can't stay healthy, and then having to take an even lower offer at the final hour because he's overplayed his hand. Like, it's... Bill Armstrong is trash, dude. I am so fucking sick of this guy already. He's the perfect GM for the goddamn ownership group down there in Arizona who got evicted from Gila River Arena because they wouldn't pay their bills. Go off, King. Yeah, fuck that I guy. Said, I said that to you. I said that to you twice tonight because because you've earned it twice. I appreciate enjoy that, this, buddy. Enjoy this beer. You've earned it in that movie, Django. Uh, I was about to say, damn it, man. Woo! Too quick. That, Too quick with the answer. I know. What can I say? Fastest gun in the West. Uh, Nate, how do you feel about this, or do you think it was more of a? They should have waited till, you know. Draft time to actually trade him. No, dude. This was the right time to make that move for them. And Bill Armstrong's just... He's... Fuck it. He's Diet Lou Lamorello, man. Like, he's another one that I'm just fucking sick of, dude. Really. Like, I'm tired of hearing this guy's name in the fucking press. Like, can we just fire him and be done with him in this league? Like, honestly, nobody else hire him. Like, let's just all be done with him. 
he wants to do something else, he can go do it in Canada. He can go he can back go to being an assistant in St. Louis. He was decent at that. He just like running the ship is not for him. Just yeah, he he doesn't need to be out in front of microphones or cameras or talking to reporters. He needs to just be stuffed away in the background. Yeah, I. I don't think they should have waited any longer. The, the reason they're in this situation is because they waited so long. They had better offers for this guy in the offseason, and they chose not to take him because they thought they could get more. Now look where we're at. Every time this guy opens his mouth, it's just bullshit. Yeah. B-U-L-L-S-H-I-T. Bullshit. Bullshit. Grade A. Grade A. Grade A bullshit. Grade A USDA certified bullshit. Yep. Exactly right. Boys, that should... Just about wrap up another gonger episode of the Barely Hockey Podcast. Nate, do you have anything for the listeners before we sign off? Yeah, I saw a tweet today, and it kind of made me, you know, think about it. Last night, there was a fight in the um, Dallas-Vancouver game. Don't get me wrong, folks. I am pro-fighting in hockey. Absolutely, 100%. Fucking needs to be there. What I don't, What I don't really get is... And what, I, what I'm not here for is the fights for clean hits. We see, we're starting to see this, I feel like, more and more. Guys are making some of these clean hits, and it, they're just big hits. But they're getting, but they got to answer the bell for them. You know, and, and last night's was not, was not a really bad hit. Like, it was two guys going after the puck. One guy gives an elbow to the other guy on his arm. Must and that other guy just needs to hit the fucking weight room apparently because he went down. I got but no that... problem with it. I I got absolutely no problem with it because you know what, the guy who threw the hit, it's his choice to drop the gloves. If he doesn't drop the gloves, the guy who came after him gets an instigator penalty. But he threw a hit and he's like, you know what, I'll stand up and defend this. I'll pump your guys shut too. So like it's. But but see, doesn't it feel like also he's almost being forced in that into that situation? Because then if he doesn't so. answer that, if, if oh, it's man, I mean, if it's I a clean, if it's a dirty hit, hand a little bit. I I think if it's a dirty hit, yes, you have to. Otherwise, you're gonna get shit. If it's a clean hit and a guy comes and mobs you and you're like, dude, I'm not gonna fight you. That was a clean hit. I think the whole world can see like, no, it's it's a clean hit, whatever. But I think there's also a little bit of pride there. It's like, all right, I just knocked your buddy's ass. I knocked your buddy on his ass. Now I'm going to beat the shit out of you too because you want to come and do something about it. I I think there's space in the game for big hits and I think there's space in the game for fighting afterwards. I don't think it has to be a dirty hit to warrant a fight. I think sometimes you just, you want to get physical, man. Shit boils over. I'm going to make sure, I'm going to make sure that Beerly Hockey, the Beerly Hockey Twitter gets a hold of this video and is able to tweet it out somehow. Um, and I want to run a couple polls on it because I want to run a was it a was it a clean hit was it a dirty hit and then also was the fight justified or was it not? Fair. No, that's totally yeah. fair. I definitely because I think there's because I think there's two there's two questions here. Uh, is the, the, the hit fight, was is, for it, sure clean. The hit was clean. I, I like I'm for sure saying the hit was clean. Yeah, I don't I don't think that's even a question. The hit was 100 percent clean. It's just whether or not should the guy should the other team feel justified in trying to start a fight over it? Which I think, yeah. if you see your buddy get rocked, you got every right to go try and fight somebody, and you're just gambling on whether the guy's going to accept it or whether you're going to get an instigator penalty on I, it. I think it I think it depends on who you hit. If you decide to go full Alan Jackson and rock the jukebox on Connor McDavid, then yeah, you're going to have to answer the bell. And you know you're going to have to answer the bell going into it. That's but a good if you point decide to too, do Phil. It, 
like uh, like 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 Truba, um, you know, against Pittsburgh the other day. You hit a fourth line, you know, borderline, you know, AHLer, and and you crushed him. Nobody went and fought him. That he shouldn't have. Well, no, that was uh, that was a second line winger. I, God, I'm forgetting his name again already. Um, but it was a guy that plays with Zucker and Malkin, and Zucker and Malkin both came in and started cross-checking him. And that was a situation, Nate, where... Cross-checking him is fine. They didn't come well, in and demand to fight him. Well, they were trying to swing at him. They cross-checked sure. and started swinging their hands. And that's what I'm saying, Nate. So, like, in that situation, Truba chose not to drop his gloves, so Malkin got a cross-checking penalty for it. Yeah. It's like, it, it's on the guy who hits whether or not he wants to engage in the fight. If he wants to then all right, you got to fight. And if not, then all right, the other guy gets a penalty. So it's it's really a win-win. Yeah, it is. It, it really is. I mean, do you want to get Looks like it was it, it was Yulson for Vancouver that laid a hit on Glenn Denning for Dallas. And it was, uh, looks like, Fo- Foxa. Foxa that yeah. said. Who's, that their, Fo- who's their fourth? He's their fourth-line center. Yeah, and he said, and and he's the one that said, you know, that you know, felt Yulson had to answer the bell. Alex Nylander. I mean, I mean, it, 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 Alex Nylander. That's uh, who Truba hit. Alex Nylander. Oh, so he's just, he's the second best, third best player in his own family after his dad and his brother. That's fine. Well, yeah, but he's a second line winger. He's small and he's skilled. Like that's that's a guy that. I'm going to tr- fucking step up. It, you're picking on the smallest fucking guy on the ice? Absolutely, I'm Truba, coming after yeah, you. Yeah, but Truba hits everyone. I know, but, like, that's that's something he invite. He lays big hits, and he stands up and defends himself for him, either by cross-checking back until the other guy gets a penalty or by dropping the gloves in cases where it's warranted. It's like, that's true. you can't say it's a physical game and not, like, get physical when the rubber hits the road, you know? Hey, I'm fine with if, if, if there's more fighting in the NHL over it. I'm fine with it. That's, I'm cool that's with it. I'm yeah, I'm, I'm always there for more fights. Yeah, yeah, it's more fights. The fights are between two willing individuals, so it's not like they're just fucking. Yeah, oh, you yeah, have to yeah. fucking fight. Like, no, you could choose not to and let the guy take a penalty. I'll tell you what, that wild Yotes game on Sunday night or yeah, South that was a night, four fights. Dude, the Yotes four are fights. a physical team this year. They, uh, oh, yeah. I absolutely love. Um, I think it's Andre Torigny is their coach. His last name's Torigny. He has a son, too. I always get the two yeah, mixed up. But he has brought that fucking OHL junior grit to Arizona. He's got him playing in a college arena. He played, or he coached the, uh, I think it was the Kingston Franiacs. Pretty sure it was Kingston. Uh, back when I was scouting the OHL a little bit. And that team was just fucking big and physical and not afraid to lay down the law. And he's brought that same attitude to the Yotes. So I, I love to see it. I think he was a great option for coach of that team with all the problems that they have. Are you guys speechless right. from that? All right. No, no, it's like froze up for a second. No, 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 I love it. No. No, I love it. Aaron, do you have any do you have any final thoughts before we wrap her up? I think that's a great thought to leave it on. Uh Yotes have a great coach. Also keep an eye out for the weekend preview on Friday. Beerlysports.com. Hells yeah. I'll be wasted on Friday. Fuck yeah. Hey, same here, bud. Hey, yeah. Listeners, after you after you get home or even when you're sitting there at the bar enjoying a pint of Guinness, maybe a shot of Jameson, you know, whatever your heart fancies. Maybe some uh the old, the old car bombs. I know some people don't like that term, but you know, oh, I love a car bomb. They are, they are delightful. They are, they are fun. Uh, as you sit there enjoying your beverage of choice on Friday, maybe watching a little basketball, 
keep hockey forefront of your mind by checking out the weekend preview per usual. Um, and, and don't mind if there's any typos because Aaron was drunk when he typed it. Hey, I'll be doing this shit at work Friday, so don't. Oh, uh, okay, sorry. Yeah, before the festivities get started. Gotcha. Okay, okay, just making sure. Absolutely, yeah. I, I really don't have any final thoughts other than uh, I'm here for the race to the bottom, boys. Absolutely. Uh, hot and Bedard. Hashtag Hot and Bedard. So that'll wrap up this episode of the Beerly Hockey Podcast. I'm your host, Phil Razor, and for Aaron Kinney and Nate McBride, we're saying Beerly Hockey. Pairs well with Bruce. Hell of a broadcast, boys.